This passage from Galatians uses the images of growth and harvest. This is tied to the message of Galatians 5 that we touched on last week. A life filled with sin, with uh, corruption, which is another description uh, of death and decay. A life filled with sin will result in destruction. But a life filled with the Spirit, who we learned is working to bring forth good fruits in our lives, will harvest eternal life. How have we been granted this freedom to grow and enjoy this good harvest? How does that play out in the body of Christ? The first verse from Galatians that you heard Bonnie read focuses on helping others in the faith when sin causes them problems. It's tempting when we encounter sin in another person's life to think God has appointed us as some sort of prophet called out to condemn sin. So often we choose a very incorrect response when we see someone else struggling with sin. It falls around one of the following paths, judgment, anger, gossip, pride, rejection, division, contempt. We may find ourselves secretly or even openly engaging in schadenfreude. That's that wonderful German term. We find ourselves enjoying the pain and suffering of others because it makes us feel good about our own lives. What instead is the attitude we're encouraged to take on when we encounter another person struggling? Gentleness. Here is the first invitation in this passage to a new kind of freedom. See, the sins of another person should never bind us up in chains that we make because of our own judgmental behavior. And we should never add to the chains of another person who is struggling with sin. For most of us, sin already carries a huge amount of guilt and shame. What a sister or brother needs in that moment that they're struggling is love and gentleness. Anyone who sins needs to know that healing and forgiveness and growth are possible. We really do need to ask ourselves some questions when we believe sin, we see sin in the life of another. I ran across a meme this week on social media a family leaving church, and one of them is commenting, that was a great, great sermon on sin. It really applied to that person who was sitting two rows in front of me. We need to be careful of those judgments we make of other people. You know, one of the questions we can ask about when we see what we think is sin is, am I really seeing sin? Or am I seeing another person's lifestyle and making a judgment about it? I grew up in a household where there were plenty of rules about what Christians did and didn't do. Christians didn't see certain kinds of movies. They didn't go to bars. The list went on and on. And you may have had those kind of lists in your home as well. 
Thankfully, as I grew older, I met plenty of wonderful, loving, joyful witnesses to Christ who did all those things I was told Christians didn't do. In Galatians, in this final part of this chapter in Galatians, Paul actually takes up the quill himself. He takes it away from his secretary who he used and writes the final ending. He writes his own greeting. And he mentions again here at the conclusion of Galatians an issue that was critical in him writing this particular letter. Some in the early church were telling Gentile Christians they had to follow all the Jewish laws and practices, including circumcision. They were preaching this even though the apostles in Jerusalem had specifically said this was not necessary and not to be expected of Gentile converts to the faith. Now we might think that we have avoided preaching circumcision, but we come very close when we expect other Christians to act like us, to spend their money like us, to worship like us, to vote like us, or to follow any of the other countless rules we invent that supposedly define what the Christian life is. We grow into more freedom, into a great freedom, when we learn to lay aside all those false standards and use the kinds of standards that Christ gave us. The church is freer when we focus on love and building others up without resorting to the trivial standards of conduct. That gives us the chance to grow as people who show God's grace and love rather than Satan's anger. This helps us spot real sin. First, first in our own lives before we ever look for it in anyone else's lives. Our relationships being damaged. Is someone pulled away from the community of faith or being driven away from the community of faith? Are there factions forming? Are there fights beginning to increase? Is jealousy of others beginning to arise? And when we address those kinds of issues first in our own life, then we're following the advice Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount. Take the log out of your own eye first before you try to take that speck out of your sister or brother's eye. You know, I've gotten to know a few folks in NA and, and AA over the years, and one of the stories they tell is the unfortunate repeated testimonies that people tell about their experiences in the church. Sadly, for many of them, they found in the church a kind of a community that was a one strike or maybe two strikes. So the really gracious ones were three strikes, but then you're out. And when they connected with a 12-step group, they found expectations, oh sure, and they found challenges and they found honesty, but they also found grace. You know, the judgment and condemnation that we exercise against each other are quick and easy. Humility, gentleness, love, support, they're risky, 
They take time. They require us to work on the relationships we have with each other. But that approach is critical to our calling as church. Gentleness isn't an easy attitude to hold on to. It really isn't. And we take those other paths I mentioned because usually that lets us ignore the brokenness in our own life. Because as long as I'm gazing down at someone else, I don't need to look inward to see what's going on in my own heart. But if instead I do put on gentleness and humility, I often find I have to listen to my own conscience first and be reminded of the things I have done that are sinful, often much worse than what anyone else has done. That humility and that love and that position of looking at each other that way lets us really see how damaging sin can be in our own lives and in the community. And that kind of attitude gives the person who has stumbled the chance to grow, the freedom to grow, to be more like Christ, the chance for them once again to realize the fruit of the Spirit can blossom in their lives and grow. And that gives us a chance as a community of faith when we exercise that way with each other, the chance to be seen by the world as a place of invitation and forgiveness and gentleness. When we act that way, an amazing thing can happen. Sins can be transformed into an opportunity to find freedom that allows us all to grow. When I put on gentleness as an attitude, I don't approach anyone else as their superior. Instead, I see them as being like myself. And I can approach the struggles they're going through with a holy curiosity. I can ask questions that are helpful, that bring people back. Questions like, what hurt has this person suffered that has caused them to stumble like this? What temptation have they encountered that might impact me? How can I best support them as he or she works to reconcile with God and with others. Calvin wrote that God has entrusted to disciples in the church the teaching of salvation and everlasting life in order that through their hands it might be communicated to the rest. And that book I read from earlier, Donald McKim in Coffee with Calvin says, love is the bond that unites the church. In the, it is in the ministries of the church, people working with people, that God's work can be done. The church can be bound together with the knot of mutual love we have for each other, which comes from God's grace. And this carries us through, through God, we can do ministry, even the likes of us. Jesus did tell his disciples that folks were going to know that they were his followers because of the way they treated each other, because of how they loved each other. 
An important way we carry on that witness is when we encounter each other at our weakest. When we're struggling under the burden of sin and brokenness, it's an important time for, show, for us to show each other how we love one another. And through that, we grow as disciples, the church grows stronger, and others can be attracted to this place where they know they will find grace and encouragement. We come to this table today reminded of the incredible sacrifice Jesus made. He gave his life in humility and with gentleness. What an example for us. And so because of that example and because of the power he's unleashed in our lives, we can give our lives to one another and help each other. When we struggle with sin, we can build each other up. That frees us all from the power of sin. It allows us to grow towards that great harvest of eternal life we are promised this table points us to that future reign of God when our liberty will be fully realized. Here we meet Jesus who lifts our burdens, freeing us and the church to grow. Amen.